Welcome. My name is Dr. Jonathan Vorse, and thank you for downloading our podcast today on Working the Word. Make sure you hit that subscribe button to receive new podcasts every week. Thank you for your support at jvorse.org and enjoy the message today. first message we talked to the fathers and this one the last one we talked to the mothers and today we're going to be focusing on raising godly children so it's really going to be not just to kids but to parents as well and to grandparents and whatnot and so our springboard scripture for this has been Genesis chapter 1 verse 28 God blessed them and God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. This is our springboard scripture. It was the first words that ever came into the ears of created man. Let's pray. Father, we come to you right now in the name of Jesus. We thank you for the opportunity to gather together and to learn from your word. Thank you for the presence of the Lord that has been demonstrated that we have felt very real here today. Touch my lips of clay that I may be able to effectively communicate what you want us to hear today. Holy Spirit, help me in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Now, um, in the beginning of what I'm getting ready to share with you here today, I just want to kind of uh, uh, just make a couple of statements that I hope helps us. Um, we're talking about raising godly kids. Raising godly kids doesn't just happen. It takes work. It takes effort. It takes living right. It takes acting right. Raising godly kids is not something that just happens. And so we're talking about the kids today. And so what I want to do is I want to talk to some of our, our parents and some of our grandparents today about how we can invest in our children and help them have a good foundation to draw from to raise, to raise them where they can draw from that foundation to want to live for God as they get older. The first thing that I want to talk to you about comes out of Colossians chapter 3, verses 16 through 17. And the first thing that I want to talk to you about is that if we're going to raise godly kids, we have to be a godly example in front of them. Just let me put it in words that we can better understand. If we say we're a Christian, let's act like we're a Christian. Let's not, let's not, let's not say, well, you know, you need to be a Christian. You need to do as I say, not as I do. We can't live that way. That's, that's, if we're going to raise godly kids, then we have to be a great example. An example, according to the Webster's Dictionary, is a pattern, a copy, a mode that is proposed to be imitated. I want to ask you this question. If your children were to imitate your life right now, if you were, your children were to imitate your life right now, what would they be imitating? Isn't that something to think about? Isn't that something to think about? I hope my kids uh, want to serve God. I hope that they want to treat people right. I hope that they want to uh, get out in, in the community and try to be a good neighbor and, and try to be a good citizen. I, I hope that they're patriotic, that they love their country, that they love God, that they love their family. That's what I want for my kids. I want them. I've tried to model that 
through the years. Here's what the Word of God says. The Bible says in Colossians chapter 3, verses 16 through 17, it says, Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And so then we go to verse number 17, And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to the God and Father through Him. So a lot of people look at those two scriptures and they say this. They say, well, that's just in general. That's for general public. Well, let me tell you something. Why can't that be for our family too? Why can't that be for our family too? Why can't we let the message, us as parents, us as grandparents, why can't we let the message of Christ dwell among us richly and teach and admonish one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and, and try to encourage one another. That word admonish means to inspire in a specific direction. So why can't that scripture speak to us as parents and as grandparents concerning our children? Well, it does speak to us in that way. It does speak to us in that way. Here, here's the thing. If we're going to raise godly children, then we're going to have to be godly ourselves. Number one. Number two, if we're going to raise holy children, we're going to have to be holy ourselves. You say, well, that's, not, that's just not possible. Sure it is. Jesus would not have said, be ye holy as I am holy, if it wasn't possible. So we have a holy standard of living that we need to live by. We are separate from the world. We're in the world, but we're not of the world. And so there is a standard, there's a biblical standard that we have to live by. And the best way to teach that biblical standard to our children is through living that big biblical standard in front of them ourselves. I don't ever try to require my children to do something when we were growing, when they were growing up, they're all grown up now, but I never tried to require them to do something that I wouldn't do myself. And so the Bible said we need to let the message of Christ dwell in us. Parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles, let the message of Christ dwell in you richly. That means let there be a lot of it in there. Let there be a lot of the word inside of you and then teach and admonish or influence in a certain direction one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether it's in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. And then the Bible says, giving thanks to the Father by Him. So we need to be a godly example we need to admonish our children. We need to influence them in the direction towards God to be a, a godly person. And we need to do that in, in practice. We need to do it in business practice. And we need to do it personally. Now, this is a pastor talk this morning. This is not an evangelistic talk. This is a pastor talk. I'm trying to help you help your kids. Okay? The second thing, if we're going to be a godly example, not only do we need to act like a Christian, but you need to pray and you need to study the Word in front of your kids. Pray for them. Pray with them. Pray in front of them. Read the Word in front of them. Read the Word to them. Get the Word inside of them. Be a godly example and share the Word of God with your kids because kids learn through example better than any other way and your actions speak louder than your words. So don't tell your children you should read the Bible every day if they can't see you read the Bible every day. 
And don't tell your kids you should pray every day if they can't see or hear you pray every day. What you're doing when you are being consistent in the discipline of being a disciple is you are creating memories that your children will one day draw from. I promise you there will come a day in your child's life someday when they're adult, when they're an adult, when they're not going to know what to do and they're going to ask themselves this question, well, what would daddy do? Or what would mama do? Or what would papa or mama do? You can tell we're kind of from the South, all right? The third thing, now we're talking about living a godly example. I've got about three or four things here I want to share with you. So this is the third thing on the godly example part. The third thing is you need to live honestly. Live honestly in front of your kids. Live honorably in front of your kids. Live honestly even at tax time. Jesus said whose image, they said whose image is on what Jesus said to them, give to God what belongs to God, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. Make sure that you're honest. Make sure that you're honest when it comes to everything that you do. Philippians 4, 8, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever's true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, if there's anything excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things, do these things. And so the best way to live honestly is to very simply always tell the truth. Look at your neighbor and say, be truthful. Be truthful. Be truthful. Always tell the truth and be honorable in everything that you do. And so if we're going to raise godly kids, number one, we have to be an example of Christian character. It's very important that we are examples of Christian character. The second thing that I want to share with you, I think is very, very important. You need to teach your kids and your grandchildren biblical boundaries. Biblical boundaries. Boundaries are not bad. Boundaries are good. Look at your neighbor and say, boundaries are good. Yeah. Teach your kids how to say that powerful word, no. Amen? Teach your kids how to say no. My beautiful daughter, Nikki, she's known far and wide, not just in this church, but she's known far and wide. She get call, gets calls all of the time. Will you come to my church and set up my sound? Will you come to my church and fix this problem? Will you come to my house and fix my computer? Will you? And she's known far and wide for, to, for doing all of that. And she's had a problem with saying no in the past. But we're helping her get past that now. She's getting to the point where she's able to say no. And I told her, I said, there has to be boundaries, honey. I told her, I said, you're on staff at Lakewood. They pay you. I said, that is your priority. And when you've got all these other churches calling and they're wanting you to come down and spend a day or two here and a day or two there, I said, that's taking you away from your responsibilities where you're actually getting paid. And then when they get ready to try to pay you, you say, oh, no, don't worry about that. I said, stop that. I said, look at it and say, is that all? Because <laughs> I'll guarantee you they'd pay someone else 10 times as much as they're trying to pay you because they know you and you're Pastor Jonathan's daughter and we can get it for free. 
You got to learn where the boundaries are. You got to teach your kids where the boundaries are, and you have to teach that them how to say the word no. Now, let me say this. Quit leaving it to the church to teach your kids where the boundaries are for their life. You provide a biblical standard of living in your home. You say, well, what does that mean? Well, here's a great test. How many remember the story of Zacchaeus in the sycamore tree? Jesus walks up to this sycamore tree and he sees Zacchaeus up in the sycamore tree. He says, come down, I'm going to your house right now for tea. What do you think went through Zacchaeus' head? Oh my goodness, I'm gonna have to get on my cell phone right now and I'm gonna have to call. If, if you knew that Jesus was coming to your house for dinner after church today, what adjustments would you feel like that you needed to make in order to make sure he was comfortable walking into your home? Think about that. He's there already. You carry him with you. He's inside of you. And so we have to establish these biblical boundaries in our lives. And we have to teach our children these are the boundaries. In John chapter 17, it just drives that point home that we're in the world, but we're not of the world. Now, let me back up and say something. Let me talk to you parents for just a few moments, okay? Your children, I don't care how sheltered you try to, what kind of shelter you try to provide for them. You need to love them and help them, but there's going to come a day when they're going to step out from underneath your shelter and they're going to have to face the real world. Now listen to me. If you shelter them so bad that they don't know how to process when it comes to the real world, you have done a disservice to your children. You need to teach them where the boundaries are and then you need to release them so they can go out and practice putting those boundaries in place. And a home, listen, a home should not be a place where they get beat up when they mess up. It should be a safe place to fail. So when your child fails, you need to be able to help them to pull things back together, and how are they ever going to be able to process this dog-eat-dog world that we live in if we don't ever release them with the principles that we put inside of them? One thing that, we, that, that I've had to learn through the years is let them grow up. I love you. Look at your neighbor and say, my pastor loves me. Say, my pastor loves me. Let them grow up. Well, what does that mean? It means they pay their own bills. It means sometimes they make their own decisions. It means sometimes when they make decisions and choices that you think are wrong, that you're going to love them no matter what they say, no matter what they do, you're going to love them. One of the things that I think I have gotten through my, through my children, through to them in their head all through, the, all through these years, I have told them, I said, listen, we've taught you how to live for God. We've taught you where the boundaries are. We've taught you what you're supposed to do, what you're not supposed to do. But the day that you became an adult is the day that I quit being a parent. And now I am, listen, Listen to me. This is going to set some of you all free. Parenting, parenting ends at one point or another. It ends. 
Parenting is when you tell them what to do, what not to do, and these are the consequences, and this is what's going to happen if you do this and you don't do it. That's parenting, okay? Well, there comes a time when you've got to release them into adulthood. That doesn't mean that you quit being a mentor. It doesn't mean that you quit being an advisor. It doesn't mean that you quit being a confident. It doesn't mean that you're not there, but it means that you have to release them and let them grow up. Let them be an adult. Did you raise them to be a good adult? then why wouldn't you trust what you taught them? Are they going to make the decisions that you would make? No, sometimes they're not. Sometimes they're going to make big decisions that you think are wrong. But let me tell you something. <laughs> but let me tell you something. That should not ever, that should not ever stop how much you love them. They should always feel like I can go home if I need to. And I always told my kids, I said, I want you to know, I said, it doesn't matter where you go. It doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter what you ever get into. I said, you can always come home to daddy. Daddy's here. And I'm going to love you no matter what kind of mess that you've got your life into. Now, we teach them boundaries so they don't get into messes like that, right? But when they fail, we don't need to be there to condemn. We need to be there to help them rebuild their lives. And hopefully, they'll listen a little better next time. Give your child a safe place to fail. Then the third thing that I want to share with you is this. First of all, we've got to be good examples. Secondly, we need to teach our children biblical boundaries. And then the third thing that I want to, to share with you is you've got to teach your kids godly priorities. What's the very first commandment? Exodus chapter 20 and verse number three. What is the very first commandment? What is it? Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Is that not the very first commandment? Okay, so when we look at that, then what that means is we're not supposed to let anything take the place of God. Whatever you allow to take the place of God in your life becomes your idol. I see parents who worship their children I see children who worship their parents. I see families who worship each other. A job can become an idol. Investments can become an idol. A home can become an idol. The list goes on. There's a lot of things that can take the place of God. The bed on Sunday morning can become an idol. Oh, Jesus. That's true. That's true. Anything that you put before God becomes an idol. And what did the Word of God say? The Word of God says, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. So quit making excuses for not serving God. Quit making excuses for not obeying God. Quit making excuses for not following God. Don't Teach your children that God is priority number two or priority number three or priority number four or priority number five or some of it's even lower than that. You know, it takes 400 gallons of water to baptize a person and three drops of rain to keep them away. What's our priority? What are you teaching your kids when it comes to prioritizing God? What are you teaching them? 
You know, when I was growing up in church, and this has been a long time ago, but when I was growing up in church, if we had family come in from out of town, they knew if I'm there on Sunday morning, I got to go to church with them or sit at home alone. And it didn't matter how long it had been since we seen them. It didn't matter at all. They knew that God is a priority in their life and God is a priority in their family. And so we're going to church. Now I want to ask you this question. How many people do you think in the past have given their life to Christ because, I'm talking about way back, have given their life to Christ because they went to visit family and they knew if I go visit family, I've got to go to church. And so they go to church and they find Christ there. That doesn't happen very much anymore. You know why? Because people have reprioritized family over church. Well, why is it so important to go to church on Sunday morning? Are you kidding me? Let me help you out with this, okay? First of all, in the Old Testament, they went to church on Saturday. Saturday was the Sabbath. Jesus came, Jesus died on Calvary, and the New Testament church started meeting on the first day of the week. The first day of the week was Sunday morning. They met the day that Jesus rose from the grave, which was a symbol of the time that grace was opened up to the earth. The reason that the New Testament church met, meets on Sunday instead of Saturday is because Sunday is the first day of the week, and it's called the principle of the first fruits. And so the New Testament church, to celebrate how Jesus forgave them, how he cleansed them from their sin, that they're living in grace, gives God the very best. And that means the first morning of the first day of their week. It's like a tithe of their time on that week. And so that's why it's important to come to church on Sunday morning because what you're doing is you are prioritizing God up to number one. That's why you should come to church on Sunday morning. Now, we were in Jamaica here not too long ago, about a year ago or something like that, and we were in a beautiful piece of property there on Montego Bay. And we were sitting up there, and we were talking to these folks, and, and I looked at the guy, and I said, wow, and it was a ministry area, and I said, so what time do you all meet for church on Sunday morning? And he's about 30 or something like that, you know, and he looked at me, and he said, oh, uh, we, we don't necessarily meet on Sunday morning. We just serve God every day out of the week. And I thought to myself, you're probably never going to talk to him again, so you might as well just let him have it. <laughs> so I began to explain to him why the early church should meet, should meet on Sunday morning and why they should meet and go to church and be faithful and prioritize God and things like that. And you could tell some of the things that I was telling him. He thought he was so spiritually smart, but you just would tell him elementary stuff. And he was just like, wow. Listen, teach your kids to prioritize God. Teach them to prioritize God in every area of their life. Teach them to prioritize God in the morning when they get up. They say, well, I just don't have time for devotions. Then get the Bible.is app and let it play the Bible to you while you're brushing your teeth, while you're washing your face, something like that. Take 15 minutes during the time that you're getting ready on Sunday morning and let the Word of God get inside of you. It's important. This is how you prioritize God. And we've got to teach this next generation how to prioritize prioritize God. We wonder what's happening to, the gener to this generation. Well, first of all, there's a great revival beginning to spread throughout this generation. It may not look like what you want it to look like. It may not sound like what you want it to sound like. They might dress different than you want them to dress, but there are people by the thousands that are giving their life to Jesus Christ in this generation. There's a move of God that's taking place. But we have to teach that generation that that move of God is wonderful and that's great, but in order to keep it going in your life, you've got to prioritize God. Yeah. 
God has to be number one in your life. So quit making excuses for laying out of church. Quit making excuses for not doing your devotions. Quit making excuses for not praying and model in front of your children and in front of your grandchildren that God is number one in my life. Tell them that. Teach them that. Then there's just one or two more things I want to share with you. Number one, the what would Jesus do movement was not a bad movement. How many remember that? Little bracelets everywhere, WWJD, what would Jesus do? That wasn't a bad movement. It wouldn't hurt us at all if we started that up again. What would Jesus do? That's how you prioritize God. You ask yourself, well, what would Jesus do in this situation? And then the last thing that I want to share with you here this morning is simply this. And this is very simple, but I want to share it with you. First of all, if we want to raise godly children, number one, we have to be an example before them. That's number one. Number two, if we want to raise godly children, we have to teach them biblical boundaries and we have to give them a safe place to fail so they learn them. Knowledge is good, but knowledge won't get done what needs to get done. Knowledge put to use. Activated knowledge. You can know all there is to know about the Word in the Word. But until you take the Word of God and you put it to work in your life, then you can't have what the Word says you can have. You've got to work the Word. So we have to teach them biblical boundaries. The third thing is we need to teach and live by godly priorities. Don't tell them make God a priority in your life if you're not making God a priority in yours. Don't tell your children to do that if you're not doing it in your life. And then the last thing that I want to share with you is this. Teach your kids about honor. Teach them about honor. Teach them how to honor their country. Teach them how to honor the military. Teach them how to honor authority. Teach them how to honor their parents. Teach them how to honor those that are over them in the Lord. Listen very closely. Honor is the prerequisite to favor. Did you hear me? Honor is the prerequisite to favor. If you want the favor of God in your life, then you need to honor people because honor produces favor. And the Bible teaches us that we're supposed to honor our parents. And it doesn't just mean that we honor our parents while we're growing up. It means we honor them after we've grown up and it means we also honor them after they've went on to their just reward. Listen, if you're taking notes, write this down. I told them in the first service, I'm going to tell you this. If you're taking notes, write this down. There is no sunset on honor. There's no sunset on honor. You choose what you're going, what parts of your parents' lives and those that are over you in the Lord you're going to honor. Pastor Angelo shared some things with me this week about his father that shocked me. I, wasn't, I was very surprised at some of the things that he shared with me, but he kept saying, you know, he had these, this trouble and all of that, but he was a good man, man. He taught me this and he taught me that. And, he taught, and you could just, you know, there's other people that would have just been, you know, kicking him and all that kind of stuff. But every time he would say, you know, he struggled with this and he struggled with that, but he was a good man, man. He did this. He was awesome. You could feel the admiration come, coming from him, from his father, for his father. 
There's other people that would have just put him in a ditch and said, just let him die. But Pastor Angelo, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to remember the good things. You should, That's part of honor. You remember. You can remember the good or you can remember the bad. You choose what you honor. I choose to honor my dad. I choose to honor my mother. I choose to honor my grandparents. Didn't know them very well, but I choose to honor my grandparents. I don't have to know a whole lot about them to honor them. I honor them because if it wasn't for them, I wouldn't be here. So I honor them. Honor is the prerequisite to favor, and there's no sunset on honor. So you always honor your parents. And the Bible said this, if you honor your parents, that things will go well with you. Listen to me, kids. If you honor your parents, things will go well with you, and you'll eat the good of the land. That's what the Word says. And the Bible says that you can even have long life when you honor your parents. So you choose to honor. Make that valuable choice to honor. Now, this is, I just feel prompted by the Holy Spirit to say this, and we're getting ready to close, but I just feel prompted. Just because I honor doesn't mean I always agree. Amen. Just because I honor doesn't mean I always agree. That's kind of like forgiveness and pardon. They're different. Just because you forgive someone doesn't mean you pardon them. It doesn't mean you let them off the hook. Just because you honor someone, it doesn't mean that you have to always agree with what they say and what they do. Constantly honor them. If I honor you, I'm not going to do anything purposely to damage you. I'm going to guard your reputation. I'm going to guard your name. And I'm going to find a good way to bless you. We thank with words. We honor with gifts. My pastor will be here in February. First Sunday in February. Pastor Callahan. He's 77 years old. He'll be 78 April the 1st, April Fool's Day. And my wife and I two times a month send him gifts, monetary gifts because if it wasn't for him we wouldn't be where we are we honor him when he comes in February to minister at this church I'm already saving money I personally will make sure that he gets the best offering that anyone has ever gotten from this church. Why? Because every single one of you are fruit to his account. None of us. You're going to see the little boy in me when my pastor stands behind this pulpit. I'll be like a sponge. I'll soak up every breath. I honor him. His teachings changed my life. God used him. And so I honor him. Teach your kids 
how to honor. Let's all stand. Thank you for listening to Dr. Jonathan Vorse on Working the Word. We appreciate your love and support. Visit www.jvorse.org to give a gift today. Don't forget to subscribe and enjoy the rest of your day. Always remember, the Word will work if you work the Word. Be blessed.